Chris, that was a beautiful lead-in. It sounded like you were calling our podcast interesting as we faded in. Well, yeah, we're very interesting. That's why we're here. Hi, my name's Sean Shaler. That's my friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter fame. And this is Avatar The Last Podcasters. We are on Legend of Korra Book 3 Change, talking about Chapter 4 in harm's way, which it's not a two-part episode, but we talked about last time. Very much feels like it could be paired with the last episode so binge our episodes back to back pretend they're one because we did not pair them together nobody pairs them together except they just feel like they could be yep that's it chris it's been five minutes since we last talked how you doing i'm I'm doing tell me uh, something about your life that you didn't tell me an hour ago hmm. i know think deep uh, I'm working on. I'm very excited right now. I'm working on uh, this um, action figure <laughs> that. So I love the McFarlane toy line for DC toys. Uh, so this one here was a a uh, Batman Arkham Knight figure that I'm turning into. So there's a, a new Batman called Jace Fox. He's black. Uh, that's important. Oh. <laughs> but so I'm turning this action figure here into. Jason Fox, uh, the Jace Fox one. So I took this head from a different action figure because there was a sale on GameStop, which I know, sorry, GameStop. It was <clears throat> usually these action figures are like twenty dollars, and it was on sale for eight dollars. So I bought that to the head off of it. This actually goes to this Green Lantern one back here, but then you know I, uh, I'm just—he looks slightly different. <laughs> I gave him a mustache and a beard and added some stuff to his hair. So I'm very excited about this right now. Major. I've been looking forward all been looking forward all day to to doing some more painting on it. It would be pretty sick if you had the opportunity to have, say, a live action movie actor sign that someday. You'd be like, "This is one of a kind." I know because I made it in my basement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I got too many hobbies. I've added comic book repainting to my hobbies, and like the last two I've done, I haven't even finished them. And when it's you... been like since. December or something. When you repaint, uh, are you also repainting the actual comic books themselves in any case? Uh, you said the actual comic book? Yeah, actual comic books. Like people will sort of essentially paint over top of the cover or make additions to the cover or just essentially create oh. their own alternate covers. No, I'm just painting over the action figure itself. Just action figures themselves? Yeah, I'm not a good enough painter to paint uh, comics. I feel like it's much harder to paint on a three-dimensional plastic figure than it is on a flat piece of paper. No? I, no, no, it's relatively easy. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll give you credit, though. I'm bad at painting on any dimensions of figures, especially that dang fourth dimension. I can never nail that one down. I thought we're living in the fourth dimension. I know. It's pretty wild. We can, but we can only go in one direction. It's unfortunate. Uh, no, it's not. I wouldn't. No. I'm not a regretful person. If anxious, I made a superhero, I was thinking anxious, about this. Yes. Uh, I'll, I always think about like superheroes I would make. Um, so this one, I don't know what their name would be. Uh, oh, G-Force. That's the name it would be. Because it will be able to control gravity, right? Part of that, so it will be able to like control the gravity of a certain area. I don't know if it's he or she. Probably a, a guy. Because I have a lot of other girl heroes in my head. Then I'll never create these heroes. But, right, time in a way, it can be controlled by gravity, right? Uh, that's, you know, actual, well, I guess theoretical, but it's very highly <laughs> speculated at time. No, I think it's proven. I believe at this point in time, it's proven that gravity uh, controls the speed of time, right? Or at least our perception of the impact of time or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um well, I think not, I think it's pretty high level theoretical <laughs> physics that that is beyond our pay grade. I'm willing to say that. <laughs> yeah. But like the superhero will be able to like be able to slow time or either speed time up, right? So you have like a villain, you can speed, you can like, technically kill them if you wanted to. Uh, you can speed them up and and age them quickly. I mean, if I was going to do that and I had the power of gravity, I would just use gravity to kill them. <laughs> I would use time uh, to kill him, or just... you, or you can slow them down. Uh, but but no matter no matter what, you can only go in one direction. Like he doesn't have like he wouldn't have like the typical time powers, you know, like some heroes do, like to go back in time. He could only be able to go forward. 
Uh, two things. One, there's a movie called G-Force that's based on uh, some not super-powered guinea pigs, but kind of. Do you remember that, G-Force? I do So remember, you might yes. have to worry about copyright on the name. Mm, that's uh, true. But two, I'm still buying into your idea here. I say, I say, go for it. You know, three things. Remember that joke from Hannibal Burris when he's talking about like George Bush getting on a plane and having security? I don't remember. Like you don't, you don't need to kill former president or Jimmy Jimmy Carter, not George Bush. Is it Jimmy Carter? I don't. I I don't know. Hey, there's a spider like right in front of my face. That's gross. I thought you were gonna say behind me. I was like, not again. No, I don't want to. uh... Gross. Um, I don't know. Some former president was like Jimmy Carter or something like that. And he still had, uh, I said, did I say social security? Wow, it's getting really late. Secret service with him. And he's like, I don't think you have to worry about other people killing former president Jimmy Carter. I think time is going to kill Jimmy Carter. <laughs> Plus, I don't, I don't know anything about Jimmy Carter politically, really, besides what political party you're going to. That's all I got. Uh, but, uh, you know, bless us. Part, he like all the time. I, anytime I picture see him, it's like, oh, he's doing habits over humanity. And there's a picture of him with a hammer, but also he has like this bandaid on. And it looks like he's, <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't think he's being that helpful. I think he's more of a, I think it'd be more helpful if he just didn't show up. I'm going to say that he's, I think he's helping, in a way. Uh, he is helping through inspiration. Man, you could say that. That's, that's about sure. all I could say. I have a feeling he's <laughs> but, not framing. But for that specific project, Yes, like, Jimmy. Come on, we just—you don't have to. You've been on the, you've been on, the sa- you've been on the same nail for the last thirty minutes, Jimmy. Just... Honestly, he could get on there and be like, "Hey, listen, I'm too old to frame houses, but I'm here and I want to be, and I want you to help too." And like that would be enough. We'd be like, you know what? Thanks for your honesty, former president. I did have Jimmy a for, for humanity one time. That was actually pretty interesting. Um, it's uh, just like, oh, we can all build a house together. Yeah, my wife took some Mexico trips. She helped frame some some little houses. It's pretty. My high school, Chris, we've talked about how small my high school is. Uh, I graduated. My class had sixteen people in it, and, and in our shop class, people were making like clocks, right? In shop class, this last year they made a small house, and now they're selling that house, like for mm-hmm. profits to go. I don't know to the school or charity or both or something. I don't know. But they they made a small house in shop class. I was like, that's some bullshit. <laughs> one of my buddies still got his crappy clock sitting on his mantle and these kids made a house yeah that's a uh, someone got an inspired teacher they did uh they take pretty good care of their school out there i'll give them credit it is uh by rural high school standards uh, a lovely high school anyway i'm i'm confused about assisting people like how do how does the teachers work you can't even it, I don't know, I'm just... I took uh, I took Spanish for four years. In my junior year and my senior year, it was just me and one other girl, and that's it. It was a teacher and two of us, and he made it so sit what was the, right in front of him. What was the teacher-student ratio? Like, one to five? Mm, I can probably... If you give me just a second, I can probably count, like, the number of teachers that were present in the core <laughs> classes. I can do the core classes, so, like... <laughs> There's like six core class teachers for about 80 students. So what's that ratio come out to? Uh, I can't. Uh, I, one, I, one to 12 or one to 13. Something, yeah, something in that ballpark. Uh, but, but that's just, so that's like total ratio. But on a per class basis, it would be smaller because, you know, you've got Spanish class with two people. Or, yeah. uh, you know, this particular math calculus two with five people or whatever. So on a per class basis, it's much mm-hmm. smaller, but on a per teacher basis. Interesting. I wonder, does that ratio affect, uh, I'm curious now what. One of our teachers what, uh... was part time. Like he literally was like the math teacher, but also still just only came in part time. But he was the math teacher at school. <laughs> like, <laughs> But he's also, you know, fifty-fifty on the farming teaching. <laughs> so you know, whatever. Biggest class was choir because you took all four, like all four years in the same choir, right? So it was all based basically the whole school in a room. That's weird. 
Uh, don't miss high school. I think I've mentioned this before. I wouldn't wish high school in my worst enemy. Maybe I would. It's not that bad. I was to say. I. But, I mean, uh, I wouldn't like go do it again. But I don't like. I don't have any specific, like harsh complaints other yeah. than I didn't love I it because it's a weird time. You know. Yeah, just the weird. Time. My freshman year was was the worst. Like my school, like we had we had this like off building that was probably about a ten minute walk from the actual school, and so all my friends. I only had like five of them, which uh, <laughs> that's that's good. That's fair. Um, yeah, that's a team avatar um, right there. Exactly. Their their class before lunch was in that building. That building had its own cafeteria also, and so I never had anyone to sit with in cafeteria for like my whole freshman year. So oftentimes I would just like walk around, eat my food real quick, and then just walk around. Like it was, it was uh, I just hated that. And then let's see, my my sophomore year was. Because after that, wasn't that bad. My senior year was pretty great. Actually, my senior year was great. I had a car. Uh, that really helped out. I liked my senior year quite a bit. Yeah. I but, My uh, freshman year is the worst because I uh, some of the other members of my family are pretty athletic. And I, I mean, I never really was. Um, but my freshman year in high school, <laughs> I felt like it was kind of a... I, I really undersold my parents, so it was my own fault. Uh, but teenagers and talking to your parents is weird. But I just felt like it was kind of expected for me to try to go do all these sports that I was real bad at. And I did. And I didn't, like, I love football. I don't love playing football because I'm a huge pansy. So the only one I wanted to play was basketball. And we'd, we'd, I would have played baseball, but we didn't have a baseball team, so I did track. And I even did track a second year. But eventually it was like a come-to-Jesus moment where I was like, do I have to, like, keep doing these things I'm really bad at? Or can I go do, like, forensics and scholars bowl and stuff? And they're like, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, was like, uh, I cannot see you play football. For I played football for two years. I did it my I did my freshman year, and then my senior year they were really short handed, and it was literally a matter of like, like the football coach slash social studies teacher <laughs> being like, "Hey, Sean and Jake, who Sean and Jake? That's uh, some forensics uh, video game nerd buddies. Me and my buddy Jake. I still play D and D with Jake to this day. That's because he's a nerd too." But the teacher's like, Sean and Jake, you're nice kids. We need some bodies. You got to help us out. And we're like, oh, fine. So we I wish someone would have asked me to play. Like, I, I was, but your I was high school too... is so big that nobody like. <laughs> no one. You know how hard it is to make. I was going to say, nobody's going to come pick you out. And be... like, like, these are potential future <laughs> Professional players. Chris, we were also in in high school at a time where basketball was like the booming sport in the Midwest. Like it, like we were starting to get away from this basketball on the coast. Like we were starting to have big big prospects and thing in the Midwestern schools. And so, like in my school, as small as it was, there was twenty kids on the basketball team. That's a quarter of the school on the basketball team. So uh, I played basketball all four years, and I was terrible at it. Uh, like just very minimal playing time, even at the school that size. But I, I like, mean, at least I enjoy basketball, so it's fine. Like I bet if you go back and look at every year, every every class has of, of my high school probably had at least one person make it to the NFL. That's sick. <laughs> Booker T, great football school. I don't know about high school. I'm sure there's good basketball athletes. I'm just not as familiar. Yeah, that's good. Uh, um, it's not. They don't. Mm, I don't know a single person that came. Uh, the, their biggest one is was Wayman Tisdale. He played oh, basketball. Yeah. That's I didn't know he was Booker T. That's awesome. Yeah, I went to high school with his with his uh, daughter. And then he I thought she was like the most beautiful. I thought she was like the most beautiful person the first time I saw her. That's awesome. I mean, she's she's a. I mean, she's I mean, it's just a good feeling. She's doing. Yeah, she's doing very well for herself now. He played at OU, and then he played for the Wizards. Not the Wizards. Yeah. The uh, bullets. bullets, yeah, yeah, pre wizards. Yeah, he, he recently died. He has a street named after him. Uh, I or mean, no, recently, I but it's been... he has a highway. Yeah, he has a whole highway named after him. Recently, but not super. Like it's been maybe a decade or something like that. Um, maybe like six years. Okay, yeah, in that sure. ballpark, in that ballpark. Well, that's cool. I didn't know he but... was there. Um, yeah, my high school is very anyway. excited when we get somebody that goes and plays football at, at, at like at a, at a d1 at a d2 school. oh no there's no d2 football player we're talking uh so there's d1 and then there's like F, there's like fcs fbs then d2 which is pitt state then there's yeah. d3 
Then there's NAIA, which is like all real tiny private schools that nobody can afford to go to. And if we had kids go there, we got pretty excited for those kids. Uh, okay. That's a big deal when it happened. Uh, sorry, sorry, people who don't care about these things. <laughs> Listen, uh, we talk enough about sports. We've kind of we've soft prepped them for it over the years. That's true. That probably uh, this is the part where they talk about sports. Put those timestamps in there, Chris. Get the timestamps in. <laughs> I just go five minutes. Oh, they're still talking about sports? Oh, Two minutes. I hate the sports. <laughs> no, we're talking about how high school is crappy for everybody. So maybe yeah. it's never. Maybe it's not as bad or as good as anybody remembers high school. It's just Middle school is probably worse. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'd, I'd, yeah. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> hey, tell us, tell us about your high school experiences. We want to know. <laughs> and if you had any professional athletes in your high school, we definitely want to hear about that because that's fun to me. Chris, let's talk about the actual Avatar stuff. So, uh, let's see. This is, okay. this is In Harm's Way, book three, chapter four. And here's our notes. All right. So, the episode starts off with a prison breakout. This episode is really all about prison breakouts. Um, it starts off with a really great scene between... Uh, it's the Red Lotus versus... Zuko on a dragon, which is and uh, Tanarok and Eska and Desna, which I just love seeing Zuko on a dragon. Like it's, it's like seeing the dragon scale when it lands. And that was always some of the coolest scenes in Game of Thrones. Like when the dragon comes in and lands next to somebody, you're like, oh, that's that's a dragon right there. Um, just makes it a little bit more tangible. And uh, the oh, you're gonna say. Something. No, just any anything with dragons. No, it's anytime Zuko rides in on a dragon, it's instant instant excitement. Yeah. Uh, so they go and they and they're fighting, um, Pali and and Tanarok. I'm sorry, they're fighting. Really, they're just yeah. So they're fighting uh, Gazan, Zaheer, and and um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her name. Why am I blanking on her name? The waterbender girl, the art, Mingwa, Mingwa is her name. And she, like, she's so freaking, like, creepy in the, in the best way. Like, she's scary. <laughs> like, she, like, she's, her water arms are probably, like, some of the most useful, I think, bending. <laughs> like, she uses them as, like, most as, people as a, need their gadget. <laughs> yeah, most people need their appendages to bend at all, and she is bending her appendages. It's kind of sick. Like, like oftentimes they're tools. Um, like you know, like Inspector Gadget's like, oh, I need a screwdriver, and then just shoo, 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 screwdriver. Oh, I need a handsaw. Like, that's how she is with her arms. Uh, so she fights Escandesna, and one thing I love seeing Escandesna fight like they're so uniform and and in sync with one another and they make all these like huge ice spikes and and she's just like swinging on them and she knocks them she freezes them over and then she turns her arms into a drill and she drills into the <laughs> into the bottom I, there i hate that she knows exactly where it's located though like i i I I hate that's that's another one of those just like it's a little bit op thing i hate that i hate that she knows where that is I hate that the Earthbender can just drive this vehicle even though he's been in prison for like 16 years while technology has been developing at like unprecedented yeah, rate. And this guy can jump around. out. And ju- I know this is like a, it's like a tank. It's like a construction vehicle, Chris. Yeah, but they've been around since. you uh, telling me that you, even with your the... current knowledge, with your current knowledge of driving, could go jump in like a large heavy-duty vehicle and just be like, I got this. I would say if, if I would say 15 years from now, I'm sorry, 15 years ago, I could jump into any... I could, I could drive any car that's around today. But, no, but yeah. not, not, a, not a heavy duty... Chris, if I bring you to my farm, these tractors <laughs> have been around much longer than 15 years. If I, if I put you in a tractor, you can't drive a no, tractor. but who says it's a tractor? It looks like a regular car that's outfitted, slightly mm, different. It's a heavy duty machine. It looks it's- like... That's not a regular I, I car. Have, I have. Let me look. I have the episode. That's not a regular car right now. There's, if it there's has a literal, wheel, there's literal tank treads on the damn thing. Like yeah, snowmobile, but probably like drives. four of them. Oops, no, but probably. But probably is 
the same mechanics. Even in four-wheel drive, like even just regular four-wheel drives in trucks, like four-wheel drives and all-wheel drives are sometimes so finicky, like you're only supposed to go a certain number of miles per hour with it in high gear versus the low gear and you got to make sure you're neutral when you switch it to four-wheel drive and sometimes they're just faulty in general like no All right, let's see here this guy jumped out of prison out of 15 years and he's driving a heavy duty like construction it, equipment it looks like it's the same thing as a car only that instead of wheels it has uh, like these track things. Four, four tire treads. That's not a regular car. That's not like any other car there is in the Avatar universe. Uh, I'm going to give it a so pass. Um, what was I going to say? I don't say something. I don't, I don't like those two. I just, there's too many things here where they're just, they're too cool. They're too good at it too soon. It could have been more it's realistic. Than it, and it still would have been fine. They could have been. This is what. They could have been what not perfect. The writer's room. I've been in the writer's room. Someone was like, this and then Brian, no Mike. Mike handles the writing, and Mike was like, we, "We're not going to waste story time on explaining how, because I know that I drive. The audience can can just go with it. They could just. Mm, I'm not going with it. It just plays into them all just being too OP for a group of people <laughs> that been in prison for you know the better part of two decades. I'm not buying it." Uh, so and how does she? How called? does the waterbender lady? How does Megwall know right where, right where, Pali is at underground? Like, uh, I mean, you can you can chop that up to them having a person on the inside in the white lotus. So she knew the spot in the ground to just drill straight down. Sure, why not? In the ice? Mm-hmm. No, I'm not. I'm not well, letting go. Chris, we're well, critics. Mm-hmm. This isn't this isn't braving the element. We're critics here. <laughs> And I'm going to point this crap out because it makes me mad. No, it doesn't make me mad. It's just a little too far and it plays into a common like common theme I have with this season. I'm going to say my one complaint with this season is that everything just a little too easy for the bad guys. Uh, no, I don't have that complaint. Well, <laughs> I'm not good, rolling good. with you on that one. No, good, because I'm going to keep complaining for 12, uh, 10 more episodes about it. So I'll balance this out. Uh, so we're okay. So yeah, so they 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 go in, they break in, and then and then she uh, she freezes the bars. And Brian <laughs> in the commentary, Brian says like, so I got this idea from watching MacGyver. There was an episode where he like used a light bulb and some ice, and he froze a metal thing, and <laughs> and this was this was that. He's like MacGyver's great. It's kind of sick. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and she breaks out, Pali, and uh, and and then Pali gets out, and they have a little banter back and forth. I think just trying to humanize the characters a little bit. Oh sure, now it's okay to humanize the characters. How <laughs> <laughs> it is? Um, what was there another? No, you can humanize the characters now, but not when they're superhumans who know how to drive machinery they've never seen. Ah, uh, I mean. Yeah, that's it's it's irrelevant, Sean. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and wait, my it's not going to be irrelevant like, to my ratings. I feel like I'm not updating here, or maybe my am I moving? No, Can you see me? Yeah, you look great on my side. It's very, okay. That's just weird. For some reason, responsive. I I just see one picture, one freeze frame of myself. Nope, you're good. Anyway, all right, I'll keep talking then. Um, I just so muted then... you when you made me mad. That's all. <laughs> yeah. So. They put. <laughs> Wait, am I? Oh, I can't. Dang, I can't see again. For some reason, I don't know why my my screen is like this. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, they break out Pali, and she's freakishly tall. I, I like how the camera is. Uh, you know, it has Mingwa in the in the foreground, it has Pali in the background, but Pali is still way taller than her. That's a good way to show uh, use a perspective to show size difference. Um, and it's exciting that she's very tall. I don't know why. It's just different. Something you wouldn't expect. Is, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, so then they they uh, break out, which I love this fight. Once Blee gets out, she's like, I waited 15 years to feel this warm. Something to that sense. And then uh, Druk, the dragon, fire bends at her. And she takes the fire blast, like, full on. And I love how she just, like, uh, make it uh, just disappear. And then she... Uh, you know, she she combustion, combustion bends at the dragon. Uh, just really cool to see how 
strong she is that she can take on a freaking mm-hmm. dragon so so easily. Um, oh, I, I really like this fight other than it has a kind of abrupt end when the Red Lotus is just driving away. Like it feels like the Red Lotus got anything. They have everything under control kind of well, or they're getting there and then they just drive away. Um, it felt abrupt to me, but minor, I mean, they, minor detail. I mean, they, you know, they succeeded. They succeeded their mission. Their mission wasn't to like go kill somebody. It was just, we just break out police. I want to break out police. We can get going. Um, then they break up Lee and and she's uh her and Zaheer kiss and it's a nice little another nice little humanizing moment. Um Brian did mention <laughs> Brian was like, you know, I really like that we had a uh, a relationship where the male character was was a lot shorter than the female character. And this other writer that was on the commentary was like, It looks weird, right? And, <laughs> and Brian was like, No, I don't think that's the whole point. Is that it's not weird. And they were just kind of going back and forth just with each other and in a playful manner, of course. And then Gazan is like, really? And that's kind of fun. Um, Gazan has enough time to look away from his highly, uh, highly technical knowledge of driving large vehicles to say, really, right now? I mean, he, you know, it's just like a, he's on a steering wheel. It's not that. Uh, you know, difficult smell. He's like, oh, I gotta crank this and bump, 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 bump. It's just, you know, it's a very simple driving. Not buying it. I want to see what cars looked like 16 years ago before this before this episode. I mean, a lot of them started off as machinery. Yeah, he's. I'm looking at a picture of him right now. He's he's at a wheel, and it looks like it's just a plain car. I don't see any other well, mechanisms always around him. The wheels don't change. It's everything mm-hmm. underneath. You know, it's like I think he just has a pedal. I couldn't. But, I, I grew up on a farm. I can I can barely drive a stick shift right now. And this guy, got, I'm just not buying it. They don't have time to have mastered, especially with 16 years removed from their life. They don't have time to have mastered all of the things that they have mastered and become amazing at. But who says he didn't know how to drive this beforehand? Because he is busy being Red Lotus and martial artist master. Yeah, but they have to learn all these. You have no proof that that car is more than 16 years old. I maintain that it's not. I think. 16 years of car development in this world 16 years prior was probably the first motorized cars was probably no, 16 years the, ago. you know sato built his fortune not on uh he didn't invent the car but you know he's you know he's like thomas edison not thomas edison uh henry ford um yeah he just well, no, the edison was a good it. example too with the electricity mm-hmm. and the Tesla. that is yeah. true yeah um so i mean he had that fortune built since asami was since at least before Asami was born, so Asami's right now is like 20 years old, and I'm sure he probably had that whole fortune built years before prior to that. And then uh, the first Didn't person who built the car... Uh cars? Yeah, that's how he built his fortune, hmm. was uh, cars. Um, the first car, I believe, was built around Avatar Aang's time. Oh, of course it will. Uh, yeah, because yeah, he was fighting gangsters and they were in cars, and yeah. Yeah. Um, Right, I think yeah. we see them. I think we see him fighting. Yeah. So I mean, honestly, cars in our lifetime hasn't come that far in the no, past. No, but it's not. A, it's not a car to a car. It's years. a. It's a car sixteen years ago to a construction vehicle now. Yeah, but my point is, he could have already knew how to drive a construction vehicle, uh, whatever years ago. Uh, we, we're, we're spending way too much time. Because it's it. because you won't acknowledge my feelings, so I'm going to keep harping on it. That's okay. <laughs> uh, what else is there? Um, that's, so that's, that's, uh, that's really the B plot there. They get away. That's that's yes. the B plot of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Zuko gets the crap beat out of him. Uh, yeah, that's B plot. Uh, so where are we at now? Okay, so Kai's been kidnapped. He's doing training and stuff. And, uh, and he clearly has... He's so much better than, than other people. Um, which... Before you get started, why Kai? One thing Kai's not like a mask, but he's better than other people. Uh, it's funny they mentioned like in the commentary, just like Kai ha- sort of has like a nomadic feel to him, right? Because he's an orphan, he's been traveling from place to place, and that could be reason why he's uh, much better than them. Also, he's just a little bit more talented, like just you know being a thief in the, in the night. He he already has some natural, I don't know, uh, acrobatic running abilities, <laughs> escapism. Uh, but he's still not great. 
at it. You know, he's not he's a here. It's a relative thing. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's easily better than everybody else. And he, you know, tries to protect people, which does a good job of uh, painting Kai as a, a good character. That he's, you know, he's trying to protect, like, the weaklings in the prison. It helps. It's the, the first time I ever have, like, any amount of positivity towards Kai. It's like, oh, there's yeah. a human in there. It's funny, the two writers that was on commentary, one of them seems to want to write Kai in, like, very positive a lie and the other one's like, nah, I didn't like guy. And like, <laughs> and I just find how they went back and forth. Um, that the one who liked Kai. Writers. Chris would be like, let's give him a nice arc. I'm like, let him die in the prison. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how the writers room were like on Jet mm-hmm. early on. It's gotta be the same. Like, it's not that it's a one-to-one character thing. It's just a similar-ish yeah. uh, uh, parallel, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay, so then, let's see here, yeah, so, oh, so Lynn just jumps out of nowhere, and knocks on the door, and, uh, she's like, Corey, we gotta get you out of here, like, the Red Lotus is coming to get you, and Tenzin's like, what? How could that be? They broke out, she's like, Tenzin's like, so here's an airbender, he's like, oh, my word, and Corey's like, I'm standing right here, guys, like, what what are you talking about? And then they tell her the story and everything, so... Uh, so they mentioned in the commentary that um, that they thought about doing that they they put out a concept and um, were uh, kind of brainstorming whether to do a, the backstory to have the backstory of when Cora was kidnapped. Uh, they they kind of wrote out uh, wrote it out and everything. I mean they, they didn't completely write it out, but then they decided to take it out. Ryan was kind of just like, you know what? I kind of just didn't. I just didn't want to do it. Like it just, it, it just, uh, just seemed better to to just leave that in the imagination of the person of the audience. Um, I disagree with that because uh, it's interesting because uh, you know Caitlin was was talking about how these uh, characters are are somewhat void or empty or playsetters. Uh, some of them, and I agree with that to the most part. And I was thinking about like, all right, how would I? rewrite that how would i help that out like i would probably add an episode where it's just about the backstory and it's funny that they that it's just ironic that they were going to do it and then they decided not to do it uh, so i think that would have helped out just to give uh add a little bit more background to them maybe you, they can have a scene where you know gazan learns to drive a gazan's like a construction work. worker and he's just sitting yeah. on the crane in his in his mindless job being like man i wish i could just cause some anarchy and then he spends his <laughs> breaks learning to lava bend down in the pits where they've been digging, and mm, yeah. and, I, and then Sean would be like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah, I um, get it." But it could be like a tales of bossing, say type of type of scenario where you could you could kind of hit them all and. Oh, that that would kind of be interesting if yeah. if you if you start the episode off going one by one on their backstory and then kind of how they met and then yeah. up to the 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 at three so the at one would be um, their backstory the at two would be I don't know some type of at two is always like some type of confrontation or something like that it would sort of or, be the conflicts that led to them crossing paths and then yeah it'd probably, probably be convergence yeah probably yeah. Um, and then after three would be them them kidnapping Korra, trying to. Um, also, I would have had... Um, so they mentioned that Zuko, Tanarok, and Sokka uh, stopped their plans. You know, that would have helped out seeing Sokka again. That would have just been cool to see Sokka again. And just to add more weight to to it, I would have Sokka die <laughs> in, in that confrontation. Like, okay. like I imagine I like that. Sokka being like, hey, Zuko... One last ride, you know. We got we gotta save Ang again. He's my ride or die B. Yeah, so I've gotta go save Ang again. So I've gotta get him out of trouble. It's like just like old times, so Like it'll be a nice little. It's a buddy cop movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean it'll be really, and then like Zaheer would probably still be like, you know, this is nothing personal. Like Zaheer would have to be the one to kill Sokka, right? Because it's a non-bender versus a non-bender. And then he'll be like. You know, you're honestly my hero. Like you're the one 
you know, you're a non-bender and yet you you know you you stand toe to toe with some of these legends yeah maybe like, maybe i'm Sokka's sorry that i have to be the like whole adult life like looking at this young guy this up-and-comer who's amazing at, uh, at all these martial arts and things and Sokka's like the kid's gonna be good someday and mm. then when he goes on his last ride with zuko it's that kid Oh, and he's heartbroken. Yeah. It's, oh. All right, I don't know. If, I don't know if I'll listen to Finn to an episode now. Well, <laughs> we just invented it. Oh, well, it, it could be a two-part episode, like Beginnings was. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Do um, we have the budget to stretch this thing out into fifteen, Chris? Can we get that from the mm-hmm. network? We'll have to take out probably episode. Probably these two. We'll have two. to crunch episode three and Pro- four. Into we probably it. just get rid of these two that we're talking about right now, and not that they're I bad. I wouldn't get rid of no, them. No, it's not that they're bad. They're just less impactful than than the other would, stuff. Hmm. These are know. like this. This almost didn't have to happen, other than like Earth Queen bad find other Airbenders. Like these two aren't super necessary. Uh, you, you, I think you need the Earth Queen in it because she comes up later. Okay, so at least and that's night. true. You need okay, so give one episode for this. You cut cut out one episode somewhere else, and voila, you've got our two part yeah. uh, tales of the Red Lotus. You could probably cut some of the original Airbenders. Okay, uh, yeah. I think original Masters a little bit. Make put that into mm-hmm. some type of other episode. So. Uh, or just beg this, beg the studio for one more episode. Although that doesn't work clearly. I think our idea is a really good one. I think we can do a little begging, and we yeah. can hit the chopping block. We can make it work. Um, but that'd be really cool just to see see how this all uh, happened and, and it took place. Uh, and Core would have been probably three, and so she probably wouldn't. Although I think. Uh, canonically, she was like four when she found out she when she was when the White Lotus visited her. Like I would remember at four if somebody kidnapped me. I've got memories <laughs> from four. Yeah, that now would be a pretty you know traumatizing one. Uh, three, maybe she's three and a half. Three and a half. I don't remember that much from three and a half. I have some memories, but I could see me forgetting something that big, or Not- just because no one no one ever brought it up again. Or maybe she was she was probably out of it for most like they probably drugged her and stuff when i was four and it was probably late threes early fours like it's meaningless stuff that i can remember so i'm sure if i was like kidnapped and traumatized i'd remember that but like basically i remember waking up almost every day and asking mom if it was my birthday yet Hmm. john's first memories yeah i don't remember uh my first memory is rolling a ball in between me and my dad Oh, that's cute as hey. I don't. I think I was like three. That's it. Anyway, um, she would remember she if she wasn't like drugged up, or maybe they just gave her candy so to her she wouldn't kidnap. They're like, "Come here, little girl," and she's like, "Oh, yeah. let's go with that one." Yeah. I mean, whichever. It, it sounds they, they treated better her... than drugging a little girl. That's true. Either way, she wouldn't have felt the danger at the yeah, end. probably not. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, crap. Where the heck are we at on this episode? Okay. So, um, they're like, all right. So, Cora's like, fine. I'll go with uh, Yulin. But we first got to save the, all the airbenders. Um, so, Janora has to find Kai. And Janora does some special airbendy, spirity techniques, which I can buy. But I don't buy the explanation. I guess if that makes sense. Um, like she, she just says, like, oh, this is... she can do it, but not because of the weird connection she has or something like that. Well, no, I buy that part of okay. it, the connection to somebody. Uh, so she mentions, like, she finds Kai, and, and, like, she can, like, actual project herself, and people can see her and everything. And she finds Kai, and she's like, oh, this Yours. is, like, spirit technique mixed with some advanced airbending techniques. And I will buy that it's a spear technique, but not necessarily an airbender technique, because to me it's not, there's nothing airbending-y about it, but it's more spiritual. Um, which, you kind of think this is the first time we've seen this technique done, but in a way, Aang did it in Winter Solstice Part 2? Part 1 or Part 2? Um, you know, where he's he stupidly says, I'm in the spirit world, but he's not. But his spirit is out of his body. Um, the only thing is no one can see him, but he can still 
project, he can still come out of his body and, and just kind of roam around. And so I think that was more of a spiritual move. So I think they were, they went they went too far trying to explain it. They should just said, oh, she's very spiritual. She can do this. Instead of being like, oh, it's a, it's an airbending technique, which I guess airbending, I could see it because part of airbending is, is letting go of earthly attachments and that could be it. But that's more of like a theor- uh, philosophical thing, not necessarily a physical bending aspect of bending. But anyway, I'm on board. I get it. I'll buy. It. I didn't. I didn't have any any tremendous issues with it, other than just sort of you know we're kind of continuing to push the envelope of what what powers can yeah. be blended with others and such. I think. Yeah. This is a weird thing to bring up, and I probably regret bringing it up. But even though they call it like like spirit bending sometimes i don't like that phrase like it's not really bending to me it's more of a separate thing yeah and then there's i guess that's it's well there's like three different types of spirit bending there's the the spirit bending of bending a spirit that Corey can do all right then there's the oh i'm sorry energy bending um and then there's the spirit bending of of uh of what Janora's doing. But I guess that's spirit projection. Another I just type I kind of separate that because, like, you know, yeah. Zahir could probably do some of that stuff before he was really a bender. It's not like he was a spirit bender. He just was very in touch with his yeah spiritual self, inner self. Yep. I don't know. I just that's what I don't ever consider it bending when I think about it. Like, there's still just sort of four kind of. In this in this spectrum, this four pointed spectrum, and those four corners, you know, they, there's mm-hmm. overlap or some blend or whatever, but those four corners are still just the four elements in my in my head. I agree. <laughs> uh, so then they they find Kai, um, and they go down there, and there's some just pretty good action scenes, kind of all around, like the Kai. Um, and Malcolm Bolin versus the Dai Li in the little hallway. Uh, Kai really shows some great airbending there. And he, he has a good he has a, a good moment for him of of uh, talking trash to the, the the jailer Dai Li guy. He's like, I am as good as I thought I am or something to that effect. Uh, so then let's see. Northern Air Temple happened at the Northern Air Temple. Am I missing something? That's just where they started heading at like the very end of the episode. That's the direction uh, okay. going. Right? Yes. Mm. I think that's where they uh, headed. Uh, well, no. No. Because they would have... Oh, I'm sorry. Tenzin, yes. Um, so anyway, so they break everybody out of prison, uh, which is kind of cool. I can see what's going there. And then at the end of it, Core and Tenzin uh, split up. And I really like this moment. So this is a pretty small moment, but I think it really shows... Cora being the avatar like it's like she has like a, a mission on, on her head so in the commentary they're like oh yeah and Cora and Tizen are splitting up again just like the last season but this time it's much better split up <laughs> which they weren't saying that I think in the, in, to say that like their split up last season was was like bad writing because I don't think they would say that I would say it was bad writing um, <laughs> but <laughs> but they're just saying they left on better terms yeah, that's fair. Now it kind of froze up with your finger on the screen. That was sort of funny. Okay. <laughs> no, you're back, though. Okay. Uh, see, I feel like that... Oh, uh, it's a great moment at the end there where Tenzin uh, talks to the airbenders and uh, and he invites them to join him to be part of the, the air new air nation. And, uh, and a lot of them say yes, and Tenzin wells up with tears in his eyes. Like that's that's a great character moment there. Like he's like the dream is finally coming true. Yeah, it's a very touching way to end the episode. Um, it would have been funny if there was like one guy in back that was like, Ugh, "Fine." Um, no, that's very touching. <laughs> yeah. If the John Heater esque person in the back there. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, in that case, let's. Let's knock out some ratings. All right. For some reason, my whole screen's been been uh, 
like been stuck on one frame <laughs> for the last 10 minutes but as long as i'm good on yours yeah um, i mean it, so my, it kind of froze on your thumb for a while but not for any length of time so you're good yeah. as far as i can tell uh now i'm still seeing stuff from the 20 minute mark okay. <laughs> um <laughs> anyway um wait does audio visual go first uh, IO visual, I gave an eight and a half on this one because the um, the fight at the beginning was really good with uh, Zuko and Tanrock and Eskandesna versus the Red Lotus. That was done really, really well. Loved that. Um, and there was some couple good fighting scenes uh, when they broke out of prison as well. So that gets eight and a half. Story, I gave an eight, I think. Did I give it an eight? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, the story wasn't... Uh, the story was, was fine. It was decent. I don't think it was as strong uh, character work uh, as the previous episode, but uh, still some good story really uh, continuing to pile on. Memorable. I believe I gave this an eight and a half. Am I right? Yep. <laughs> eight point five. Eight, eight yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was a oh the uh, the fight again that was pretty memorable and a couple other things that for some reason I'm drawing a blank on but yeah anyway it comes out to an eight point three does it uh huh yes I can do math that's good man yeah or I can guess <laughs> um I was a little lower on the episode overall I did audio visual I gave an eight point five because I saw some unique settings. Uh, good fight, good little re- good fights, multiple ones, good little rescue sequence. So nothing incredible, but good stuff. Story, I just did a 7.5 because it wasn't super, uh, they weren't all super duper gratifying. And uh, a lot of dialogue in there that just, I don't know, not that drag. A 7.5, I, I don't have to justify it too crazy. Is it average? Memorable, same 7.5. Nothing stands out other than the other than the two kind of fun fight scenes. The escape scene at the end, you know, I do really enjoy that. But other than that, nothing really separates this one out too much for me, I guess, especially from the previous. So I did a 7.8. And that puts us together at an 8.0. Which seems appropriate to me. Like, is still decent. I think these two episodes are, are, are pretty 8-ish. Like, there's nothing yeah. really bad about them. Um, there's a couple great things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so and I think, think it's right that this one, I think last one we ended 8.1 and this one's at 8 just feels right in terms of like, yeah, this one's slightly yeah. less interesting than the last one, I think. Ever so slightly. So yeah, no qualms, no, no call-outs. These, if, when we get our stories into the writing room, these are, these are going to the chopping block. Not to get cut completely, just reduced into one so we can mm-hmm. make a better case to the execs. For our tales of bossing, say need to need to convince Brian that we need a two part Red Lotus origin. Tales of the Red Lotus. Ta- oh, tales of the. Red I just I like the tales Lotus. of because of the parallel to the tales of bossing, say. But it's I'm not going to die on that hill. I'll go where. Yeah. It wouldn't it it wouldn't be as uh, self contained as each of those little uh, vignettes. Were. Yeah, no, these definitely going to have more of a. The it's like season they, they six, will be blended season together. six community or season five or something when they kind of figure out how they all came to be there. Actually, it might have been earlier, it might have been season four because Troy might have still been around for a little bit. How they all realize how they came to be at the university and they cross paths and everything. You get like little pieces of each one's. Yeah, I really need to rewatch. I don't remember that episode. Um, I want to say it's that Troy was still there, so I want to say it's season four, but I could be mistaken anyway. Yeah. Um, I would be something like that. Yeah. At least give us, you know, give us 40 minutes to work with. We'll make it happen. <laughs> I just, Even though we're not do you remember, writers in the, in the least. Do you remember the beginning of, uh, the fantastic, the first fantastic beasts movie where it's just the little Jacob Kowalski fellow, like working his mundane, uh, you know, eight to five job at the factory or whatever. And that's gonna be um, that's gonna be Gazan working on his construction equipment, like just shrugs when he hears the horn and eats a boring lunch, and then shrugs when he hears the horn and goes back to work. Then he gets the sad walk home and he opens his house and it's just like a plain little like tiny apartment and he sits on his bed and just <sighs> Wish I could put these driving skills to better use. <laughs> 
Don't worry, we'll we'll add a little thing about Gazelle and driving. <laughs> it's gonna be in there, Chris. Even though in the, you know, though maybe he only drives construction stuff because the next time they're in the car, police driving. <laughs> oh, so now they all just do how to drive? No, uh, wait a minute. Car it's, wait, is police driving? I don't. I feel know. like she was driving because like I saw the water arms over the wheel, which was interesting. At least that's what I'm remembering. Uh, so not Pali, the other one, Mingwa. I'm sorry, Mingwa. You're right. That would be interesting because she would have to have like a solid manifestation of liquid arms to hold it and and move it. You know, like there'd have to be a friction between her 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 grippers and the wheel. That's that's high level bending. You don't think about that's detail right there. Although I'm not sure I'm gonna be convinced that you would have taught your your armless daughter how to drive a car either i don't know but she defies odds i guess i'll let her have it hey this has been legend of Korra book three change chapter four in harm's way where we discuss vehicles and prequels that won't happen you know actually i take i'm not anti-prequel but i tend to dislike prequels because you already like if it's connected you already know who's going to die and not die in most cases or whatever. Like you already know the big impact things, how they turn out. Cause it's a prequel. Like, you know where the story progresses from here, if it's connected and if it's not that connected, that's not really a prequel so much as like an adjacent story. I like prequels. I'm, like, I don't think it really matters what type of, pre- like I like, I like the star Wars prequels just as much as I like any other trilogy of the star Wars movies. I like, um, I like rogue one a lot. Uh, Rogue One yeah. might be my favorite prequel, actually, that I can think of. Not not in Star Wars, like maybe ever. I love Rogue One, big fan. Nah, I can't even think about what my favorite prequel is. But most of the time, I don't like prequels because you kind of know what happens at the end already from the context of the next story. But ours is different. Ours is very character exploration. Like even though even though we know they don't get Korra at the end, right? So therein lies the problem with the prequels. It would be exciting to see them get together. True, like, and people are going to be shocked to find out how Sokka dies. That's the real story we're trying to tell here. This thing that you did. We know Sokka Spoiler dies. Alert. But we didn't. We haven't. T- oh, man, why am I saying it here on a podcast? <laughs> Ruining all these great ideas. It's because it's getting late and I'm tired. That's why. But. <laughs> Uh, Chris, final thoughts on In Harm's Way. Uh, I really like these two episodes, but I do think they're appropriate graded where we where we got them at. Chris, final thoughts on the Russell Westbrook trade. Uh, I will be a while before I have final thoughts on that. I'm glad you said that the last. I purposely didn't bring that up before because I was like, we're gonna go off and because I felt I felt uh, bad about like boring all the people with other other sports crap. I was like, <laughs> I'm not gonna do more. I'll wait till the end. If you don't like sports, you shut it off right now. I just want Chris's <laughs> final thoughts. On the rest of the uh, you know, it'll, Russell. So the other thing is the best option we could get, right? Like no one, Blazers weren't going to give us Damian Lillard for this trade package. Like the Wizards not. are clearly. <laughs> like, that was the only other option that I think would have been good. Like we traded Kyle Kuzma, Montreal Harrell, and KCP. Kuzma has been. You know, I, lo- I used to love Kuzma. I feel like if he has a green light, he can average twenty a game. Um, not 18 a game. He could probably average 20 games. He's game. literally he like the second light. best shooter on that entire team. Which isn't uh, great. He doesn't shoot a high percent. He probably shoots 43% from the field. I think he shoots probably like 33 He's the second best three-point three shooter on the Lakers roster. He probably is, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so, and Harrell didn't even show up in the playoffs. With, like He had a bunch of DNPs, and he's kind of just... Uh, redundant with Anthony Davis and Drummond there. Um, and they probably will re-sign Drummond. Probably cheap, too. I don't think he did anything that says that he's going <laughs> to go yeah, cash in be here good. somewhere else. Um, so I'm hoping you know, they pick up somebody like uh, J.J. Redick or uh, Robinson. I don't know how much money they cost, but that would be great. And, um, and uh, yeah, the thing this will offer most for them would be that LeBron has another playmaker where they can make for himself or he can, uh, him and AD off the pick and rolls would be good. Um, but he can take over games. And that's more than I can say about, uh, dang, what was their point guard last year? Shooter. Schroeder. 
Uh, Shooter can't take over a game. Like, and I'm no. glad we're not going to overpay Shooter because there was a uh, there was rumor that they were that they were going to offer Shooter one twenty or something for four years, which and is like, not. Uh, it, like, yeah, no. Um, so you know, it's. I it's think fine. they I think it's, they have to sign and trade Shooter for Shooter for a Shooter. Um, and I don't know what the yeah. options are in that range. It would have to be somebody willing to take on a little money uh, to get a better, you know, maybe a better overall player to pick or something. But I think they have to yeah. trade shooter for a shooter because spacing, I, I mean, I love playmakers as much as the next guy, but spacing is still important. And, you know, Russ is going to be 33 and yeah. AD is injury prone and LeBron is old. We got we got a tight two, three-year window here to win another chip. And even if we don't win another championship, we want you won one. Yeah, LeBron got yeah, one. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I mean, I'm still like you know, it's a championship or bust. You know, that's how it is as a Lakers fan. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I'm glad you're relatively pleased. I agree that like realistically on the market, I don't know who else is going to be there. Um, I had this weird vision that, and I don't know how it would worked or even where it came from, but I thought maybe like a Kyle Lowry would come. I was somehow. I was hoping to sign Kyle Lowry to like. So that would hundred mil four years. Well, that would have had to yeah. been like they can't do that outright. That would have had to have been like a sign and so. trade with the Raptors. Like it would have right. had to been a Schroeder and a pick for a Lowry or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know a lot about the salary structures. I just know that's like the in the Lakers' position that w- that's the way they're having to so. finagle things. At this probably the best exception. Yeah, this is probably the best move they could have. The best deal they probably could have got. You know, because they've been shopping Kyle Kuzma. Although I wouldn't have minded Buddy Buddy Hill. They were very close. They were close on yeah. both of these deals, like at the same time. Hill like it seemed like it was been a, sure... a pretty solid fit as just a you know straight up uh, shooter for his yeah for his career. He shoots forty percent. I think he shot thirty eight last year, and he tends and... to do better on a little lower usage rate. Like he himself has been slightly better in the pros as uh, as just a shot maker as opposed to a creator. So that would have been a mm-hmm. nice fit. But the thing is, is I feel like we'll, I feel like he's not that big of an upgrade over Shooter as a as a player as good not a player. as a player. No, you're going to give some up on defense with him for sure. Yeah. I think they're probably similar age, but you're going to give some up on defense. But you're going to get more on offense. And I would say, you know, what, if you're in the Lakers position, that's a trade I'm making. Like I'm going to give up a little defense and trust the backside guys. Hmm. And then, so that, I would have been. Uh, a fan of of that trade from a Lakers perspective, and it, and it wasn't be as big of a trade as this one is. They probably yeah. kept their. Although to me, draft picks never mean anything as a Lakers fan. You you, you either really suck the previous year, which means you're not going to be that great this year, um, or your pick is so low that the person's not going to be NBA ready <laughs> anyway. And we're in a win now type of mode. Always Lakers are always in a win now type of mode. You don't have to care They're about really... draft picks until you're bad. Is really yeah. all the amounts to. <laughs> then you have to care. I mean, it's the best way to get a cheap superstar, but you don't have to care if you're not bad, and they're not bad, so don't have to worry about it right now. Uh, the Lakers have drafted fairly well when they do get high picks, but yeah. they don't get high picks that often. Once in well, a blue moon, like someone good. Yeah. Once in a blue moon. Yeah, um, I was hoping. Something. I will. I'm always kind of hoping for um for uh Dan Daniel Russell to come back. I always liked him. I think he would have fit. I was really hoping they would pick him up right after they got Anthony Davis. Yeah, because to me, you could build off of those two, and because uh, I mean, he he can play pick and roll well. He can shoot the three. He can create for himself. Um, but I forgot what they oh they didn't really do anything after they got Anthony Davis. <laughs> they just kind of just added some scraps. Like they were trying to get Kawhi Leonard, which I'm glad. The, the Clippers probably won't have Kawhi all year. I mean, I'm not glad he's injured, but. Oh, I just never want the Clippers to win. That's fair. No, I think they were kind of chips all in on, on Kawhi, and when that fell through, you know, limited yeah. options to scrape things up at that point. And, and Clippers wasn't even in the conversation at that point, which is why I hate them even, which is why I don't like Kawhi, because he, he, was, he wasn't shaded at all. Like, I respect what he, <laughs> what he did. But as a Lakers fan, I'm just like, you held the Lakers on – like you led them on. I I disagree with that notion in particular. I think Kawhi, I don't think Kawhi tells anybody shit ever, right? So you could just ask him straight to his face, and he's not going to tell you. It's not as like 
yeah, I'm interested in all these parties. Like, there's no politics involved. He's just not going to tell you anything. So I refuse to believe that Kawhi led them on is more just of, like, Kawhi being Kawhi. And I don't yeah. necessarily care for that as a person, but it's consistent with his character. So I never felt that bad about that part. But right. I'm not an NBA insider. I'm sure other people know more than that. Maybe he told, like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, hang on. And then he's, like, got the clippers on the other line. He's like, they think I'm going there. All, all the analysts... <laughs> We're like it's a done deal, and they were all wrong. I think, I think. Uh, but you know what? Hey, that, one thing I don't really care about LeBron's legacy, but it helped his legacy. He won without a third superstar. He won with Anthony Davis. Uh, so nowadays, you need like three bona fide all stars to Feels like win. It. Given if everyone's healthy, Feels but, like it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I'm glad you you seem satisfied with it. He was probably the yeah. best viable option, other than it's like I felt like Lowry was a would have been a better like sort of option overall, but nobody ever talked about it. Like it was never cooking or never of interest to both sides or what. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I know um, would have been DeMar- redundant on on the Raptors yeah, roster. I wonder. So. Yeah. Uh, there was talks about picking up DeMar DeRozan. Probably got him on the cheap. Maybe still could get him. No, that would be too much. To me, DeRozan isn't... It would, he, he would be worse than Westbrook. But yeah, he he's still... Cheaper. It's got the same limitations and less top-end yeah. skill. In fact, yeah, he has... He's a much worse player than Westbrook. Not as athletic. Shoots primarily uh, like, 15 feet away. Yeah. But no, he's not great at driving the ball. I mean, and, that's, you know, his, that's what I would say. His... his He's very similar. It's just the the watered down, taller version of Westbrook. Yeah. I mean, that's it's a similar game style, just not as impactful. I just thought personality wise, he he would know that like, all right, I'm just here to win a championship. He's he's like, like I don't well care about my numbers. Third fiddle, and he can still take some pressure off. But uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Oh well, I'm glad yeah. you're happy with it, and I like Russ enough to want to see you know Russ. I've always in teams so like. Five years ago, I was like, man, it would be really nice to pick up Russell Westbrook. That was a, a few teams ago. A yeah. few teams ago. But All right. Well, thanks for offering your final thoughts. If you didn't heed my warning <laughs> and you're still here and you hate sports, i got to be honest. I tried to warn you. I tried. But, hey, thanks for sticking around if you did. I think that's enough for one night. Let's call it. My name is Sean Shaler. Uh-huh. That's Chris Ford, a.k.a. The I'm Chris Ford. Geek. Oh, yeah, you can do your part. Go ahead. Do your spiel. That's no, okay. Yeah, no, you Chris. already did it. That's fine. I think the issue is that you can't like calling yourself a nickname doesn't sound as good, in my opinion. Like if you say I'm the objective geek, that doesn't sound as good as me calling you the objective geek, does it? That's true. Like self. Oh uh, yeah. In my in my core versus Ang video, which always gets daily comments on, and people complain at me and stuff, uh, which I like conversations so. But like in that, I say, it's good you know, and I'm, and I'm trying to be objective because, well, I am the objective geek. <laughs> and, and then people, some people hate it, like, you're not objective at all. You're clearly in this stuff. I'm like, I mean, if you look at this and this, like, sometimes someone's like, Aang is easily better at water bending than Korra. You're not objective. I'm like, listen, if you look at what they did, Korra would, like, water bend, uh, you know, a 20-foot funnel going 30 miles an hour while bending at other people. Ice bend that freaking mech suit 20 stories high. And then, like, the best thing water bending Ang has done is, like, split a pillar in half, a wood pillar in half with water. And, like, yeah, that's good, but, like, Cora has clearly shown, like, I can only go off what I see. <laughs> but I, uh, uh, It is always amusing to, like, I, uh, I almost literally don't believe in objectivity uh, at all, in my opinion. Everything can either be uh, broken down to mathematics, whether it's you know numerical or geometrical, or it's just an opinion, and it can always be one or the other. But it's uh, it's funny to me when people like taking that to the serious extent on YouTube to be like, "You're not being objective." Is like, all right, calm down. It's a YouTube video <laughs> about a cartoon, <laughs> nonetheless, oh. about a, sh- a thing that makes people happy. Uh, so y'all could just chill a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but hey, people, uh, people are passionate. People are passionate. Um, yeah. well, hey, thanks for stopping by, everybody. 
My name's Sean Taylor, as I said earlier. That's the Objective Geek, as we both said earlier. I'll leave lots of contact stuff for us down in the in the comments or in the description. We'd love to talk to you about anything related to Avatar on any of our platforms. In the meantime, we will come back in a couple weeks with Chapter 5, which I think is where the season turns and starts to get really, really exciting and nostalgic and stuff all at the same time. Not that it started mm-hmm. out bad, but I think we're turning a good corner very shortly. So, very exciting. Chris, thanks for talking with me as always. I'll see you next time. Later, everybody. Goodbye.